welcome to the Friends of a Feather podcast. I'm your host, Wren, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week, I get to chat with a friend who has a story to tell, a dream that she's pursuing, or a passion to share with you. Happy Friday, friends. This is my most favorite day of the week. Well, actually, it's one of my most favorite days of the week, but I'm glad you're here. This week, my guest is Lauren. Lauren is a podcaster of the She Proves Faithful podcast. She's married to a pastor in the Denver area. She is mom to two. And Lauren and I get to chat today about how she met her husband. We talk about her open heart surgery she had literally weeks after they said, I do. And we talk about also her two miscarriages that she had. And you're just going to be so encouraged. So here's our conversation. Well, welcome to the podcast, Lauren. Thank you so much, Fran. I'm so excited to be here. Yes, I'm excited. And this is the first time we've met. I've listened to your podcast and I've seen you on Instagram. And I don't remember how I heard about your podcast, but I love it. And I love your humor and I love how sweet you are. And I love your truth that you share with everybody. Oh, that's really kind. That's humbling to hear. It's anytime I hear how the Lord is using the podcast. I mean, probably you feel the same way. It's just, that's the grace of God right there. It is. So I, I just have to tell you, my husband calls me Ren. <gasps> what? <laughs> That's so funny. No, why? I've got to hear, because the law Ren. Well, because law Ren, <gasps> and so you can't, like you could shorten it, I guess you could say law, but Ren made more sense to him. So when we were dating, he would call me Ren, and then, no. I mean, he still, he calls it, I, he calls me my initials more, but that but Ren still pops up, and I'm like, that's you so have funny. Got to be kidding me! Mm-hmm. That is crazy. I so I was like, a real life Ren. <laughs> you know, my mom named me this. She and my dad went to a. Um, I was born in '79, and she and my dad got married in '72. Mm-hmm. They went to a movie in the '70s, and the girl mm-hmm. in it was named Ren. And so, oh no, okay. they, yeah. Do you remember the movie name? Is it? She one said that it people? was Slu- Suzanne Plachette was in it, and it mm-hmm. was in the '70s. And no movie that we can find on IMBD that has any of that. So who knows? I don't even. I, I love it. Okay, so tell my listeners if they don't know who you are, tell them about your family and your kids, and tell about um, yourself. So my name is Lauren Lushak, and I have the She Proves Faithful podcast. I'm the host there, and I started it about a year and a half ago because. I was at my church giving a little talk to the women about reading their Bibles, and when I was in college, I really learned to read the Word and how beneficial it was, and I learned this little acronym called ABCs, and it was like, A, when you read the scripture, go through A, analyze, kind of make some observations about what you're reading, B is best verse, that was my favorite, because I felt like you couldn't go wrong picking your favorite verse out of the passage, and then C was commit, what's one thing you learned that you want to apply to your life. And so those ABCs really encouraged me to open the Bible and be confident when I'm reading, because sometimes you just read and you're like, well, well, what next? And so as I was giving this talk to these women, they were like scribbling everything down feverishly. And I was thinking, there's nothing I'm saying that is profound or really amazing, but I saw this deep need for discipleship Mm. in the lives of women. And we've all come like, no matter where we are as Christians, God has intersected in our life at some point, whether we're 40 or whether we're four. And so my daughter gets to hear about the Bible every day. 
that's a blessing to her, but some people don't hear it till they're much older. And so I wasn't looking at these women saying, why, why don't you know this already? I was thinking, praise God for, for his salvation in their hearts. And now I want to, I want to be a part of training them up and making disciples and teaching them to obey everything the Lord has given us, which he says in Matthew 28. And so I had just had a baby. Wow. <laughs> I was real tired. Yes. <laughs> I, I had a baby that didn't sleep for uh, like two years of her life. And, oh, and wow. I knew that there was nothing I could give these women. And so I, I just started praying and trying to want, like wondering what could I do to really encourage women in the word, to get in the word, to know what the Bible has to say. So that not only can we know God, but we can know how to look at culture. We can know how to look at our roles and responsibilities and be faithful stewards mm-hmm. of, of the gospel and of what God has called us to do. And so that's great. got out a microphone uh, <laughs> and record. Wow. Yeah. So that's how that happened. And it's been a blessing. It's hard because as you know, when you're talking to women, you're, you're accountable for mm-hmm. really leading them to the Lord and with good theology and, and right view of scripture. So it's very humbling and scary sometimes, Well, and <laughs> you know, that, that's great, but it's, it is, it's very heavy, I guess. I mean, your podcast is very rich of God's word. And I think mm-hmm. that's so important. And mm-hmm. I feel like that is, it's just needed, especially mm-hmm. in, um, in women's hearts and, um, in their lives. So I, mm-hmm. I, I love that about it and about you. Well, thank you. Thank you. So tell me yeah. about you and your family and where y'all live. Well, we live here in Denver, Colorado. It was not my first choice. So. Oh, really? <laughs> I'm thankful. I'm from Florida. Okay. So, you know, your heart always craves your motherland. You know, yes. I want to be by the beach. Yes. But you can't, I cannot complain about living next mm. to the Rocky Mountains. It's gorgeous. Oh. Moved out here after college to work at a summer camp. Stayed around for a little bit. And I was working with a Christian nonprofit called The Navigators uh-huh. in their college ministry. So wow. I was raising support, full-time staff. I had no idea what I was doing really with life in my early, well, mid twenties at this point. And I went, um, they have these things called summer training programs where college students go and work someplace. And then the navigator staff or those on staff will disciple them, do Bible studies, teach them evangelism, all of that. So I went to do this program in the Rocky mountains and there was my future husband and I knew, I knew who he was. He was so handsome, Mm -hmm. most handsome man I've ever seen, but he was four years younger than me. Okay. (laughs) He happened to be a student, and he was there as staff member, but he was finishing up his senior year of college, and I had already been out of college for four years, and so I just knew Uh. I I liked him. Yeah. And so throughout the summer, we acted like middle schoolers, you know, where you're like, I like you, but I can't say anything, and... At one point during the summer, he had the, did you ever refer to relationship talks as DTRs? Yes. Define the relationship. Absolutely. (laughs) So we had our DTR and we're at this like downhill mountain bike competition in the middle of Winter Park and he's got his little blueberry cell phone, like pre anything special, you know? Hilarious. And he's like kind of clicking around. He's like, we need to talk about us. And I'm like, okay, I'm really excited. And he goes, you know, I don't like you, right? Uh, <laughs> it's just like somebody ripped the rug out from under me. And I'm thinking, uh, well, you certainly don't act like it. Wow. But I like you. God play cool. So oh, I, just, yeah, yeah. I, I just said, oh, yeah, I don't like you either. You know, you're you're just a baby. I'm way better than you. All that pride comes out, like self-preservation. And yes. 
And it was so awkward and so tense. He took his phone and he just dropped it off this balcony of this, you know, complex. Did he mean and this to? Guy, oh, yeah. He totally did on purpose to get out of the conversation. No, he did not. <laughs> I know. We laugh about it so, so much today. But there's a guy, he, like, throws it back up. He goes, oh, I got to, you know, oh. I got to go figure this out. And I'm like, yeah, sure. Okay. See you later. And so by the end of the summer, God was so gracious because I was really heartbroken. And he came to me and he just was like, I lied to you. And I thought, you know what? It, this is the pride in me. I said, I knew it. <laughs> I was like, oh, I forgive you. That, I knew you lied. So he took me out on my first date. And then get this. We went on our first date on a Friday. The program had ended. And I went back down. I was living in Colorado Springs at the time. And he was living in Fort Collins. So it's about two-hour distance okay. from each other. And on Sunday, he calls me as my apartment is burning down. <gasps> what? Is that not, not so? My neighbor had smoked a cigarette and rolled under the porch and caught the unit on fire. Oh, <laughs> it, was, it was a crazy day, and I had been out hiking, thankfully. Oh, and no. on my way back, I see this black plume <gasps> of smoke. Oh no! And I, I'm just thinking that's my apartment. I just know it is. And my friend called me and she goes, "Lauren, I think your apartment's on fire." And sure enough, it was. And so, oh my! Did you lose? A lot? Everything? Oh, I lost everything oh. except a couple key items. My pink, puffy North Face vest survived. A feather down vest yeah. survived. Yes. I'm like, the hand of the Lord right there. <laughs> but I'm looking at the apartment. I'm like, all those jeans. You know, it oh. takes forever to find a good pair of It jeans. does. And get them broken in so they right? fit just right. <laughs> oh. I'd be able to find them on sale. And so mm. it was a good, it's a hard, hard few days, but it was God used it for good and and actually I think really brought my now husband and I closer together because he kind of came down and, and played the white knight you know he took uh, me places he helped me get my life right back up so and then we got married like a year and a half later and we have two beautiful children and okay. here we are okay mm-hmm. well I want to go back a little bit because I remember your um you did an insta story Mm-hmm. the other night and you talked about um how right after y'all got married I think a few months that you um found out you needed open heart surgery what I know in the world right well it was a surprise okay but I was born with congenital heart disease so it's okay. called CHD it's right now it's February so it's heart month so you might see it float around the internet and there okay. was just a really cute video online about these babies born, you know, you know, that need heart surgery, but it's actually really common. I think it's the most common birth defect. One in 110 kids are born with CHD, some form. And a lot of it's mild, um, like a a septal defect where a hole in the heart doesn't Uh close up, you know, Uh so they'll go patch them. But I was born with, um, pulmonary valve stenosis Mm -hmm. and then an atrial septal defect. So my pulmonary valve is three cusps and it was stenosed. It was hardened. So blood was having a really hard time getting through. And so at 11 months old, I had my first open heart surgery and they basically removed it. So you can function pretty well without your pulmonary valve. And I did, how old was I? 28. Um, and I got married and then in June, so we got married in March in June. I went to the heart doctor just for a checkup. Yeah. I didn't, I moved, we were brand new in Denver. I hadn't lived here. I, I looked up a a heart person. And I said, can I come in? And it was like a coronary heart specialist, like totally not related to anything wow. I needed. And 
he looks at me, does the heart tests, and he says, you need open heart surgery. And I laughed. I didn't take him seriously because I'm like, I don't know you. I've been fine my whole life. I feel fine. Yeah. No big deal. And he, and he walked, we walked out with a referral to a surgeon and I thought this is, our life is going to change. And so God was so gracious because I had not known anything. And what had happened was when I was a baby, surgery was relatively, was starting to become successful for children. And so I was born in the eighties and now you have people who are growing up into adulthood with congenital heart disease who've had open heart surgeries, but we don't know the prognosis of them because we're new, (laughs) you know, we're the pioneers of survival really. And there are people who are older than me, but I'm really on that cusp of what does adult care look like? And so when I was a a child, a baby, they said, clean bill of health. She'll never need surgery again. She's she's healed. Perfect. Mm -hmm. But what they didn't know is once you cut into a heart, you're, you're changed forever. You know, you're not only the electrical system can be funky now, but you have to monitor the structure of your heart too still. And so it got to this point where God led me through a series of people, met a actual congenital heart specialist um, through an honest surgeon who had told me, I do, I replace valves like all the time, once every three years. No, he oh, just never did it. Uh, like I'm going to refer you to a doctor who does it in his sleep basically. Good. And that was so, that was in the hand of God because he could have, you know, done it, totally done surgery. Mm-hmm. So I meet this surgeon and he's so experienced, so kind, but basically what had happened is my, um, right ventricle had tripled in size and you know, the heart, the muscles like a rubber band where eventually if it gets too big, it's, it's not going to work anymore. It's Mm. too stretched out. Mm. And so he said the time, you don't know, there's not a measurement. Everybody's different. So you can go maybe another five years and then go into cardiac arrest. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Or you could have five months. We don't know, but your size is not looking great. So we, you know, that was in the fall and we decided let's do surgery January 11th. And I will tell you, writing that date on the calendar felt like a death sentence. I thought here I am writing my tombstone on a calendar and it just all sorts of anxiety exploded in my heart because mm-hmm. it's something I'd always struggled with. I'd always feared death. Even as a kid, I would like look at a, I'd, like get my chocolate milk from the cafeteria line and think I'm going to, this is my last chocolate milk. I'm going to die. You know, and I don't, <laughs> Just these, you know, just yeah. plagued with fear. I just yeah. honestly fear. Yeah. You get to adulthood, and it's really that lack of control and mm-hmm. and and wanting to control the situation. And so when this happened, I kind of lost it. Mm-hmm. I was like, <laughs> it was done. And I'm so thankful that I was married, and my husband was so gracious to me because he was. I can't imagine going through open heart surgery by myself. And I know my parents would have come, they like came out and they helped too, but there's something about being married and, mm-hmm. and committed mm-hmm. and in that marriage relationship where I thought I'm not, I'm not alone here. God right. has given me provider and helper. I didn't have to work, you know, and I could right. recover. Right. And so we, we went through the surgery, but I, that anxiety, it just, I came to this point where I'm like bawling in parking lots. I can't handle it anymore. And I, my pastor gave a sermon on joy. It was like Advent series, right? And the Christmas um, season. And he talked about Romans 8, 28, 29, which is like a really popular verse among Christians. You know, God, he, he does good. It says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for the good of those who are called according to his purpose. And a lot of times we stop there and we think, oh, well, God has good for me. 
But then we look at our hard situations like open heart surgery and we say, that's not good, so God didn't plan it. But then that means God's not sovereign and that God's not, where's God's goodness in our life? Where is that abundant life? And so we go on and it says, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that we might be the firstborn among many brothers. And so when you when you start to see that verse in context, it gets more beautiful that this life isn't just about comfort or um, you know, living out your dreams and desires, but it's, it's a life submitted to Christ and God's purpose for us. The good, his good purpose is really us conforming to the image of Christ. And so here with open heart surgery, it was my moment. It was my lot that God had given to me in order to bring me good. And that good was to be sanctified And I had to come face to face with my anxiety and learn to confess my sin of trusting in myself and wanting control and, and really turn and believe the truth that God is God, that he has promised me salvation through Christ alone, that I don't have to measure up with my works. And so all of a sudden you go elementary level at this point for me of what, what does it mean to be a believer in Christ? What does faith in in God mean? look like who is God. And he just started to build that back up. And it was so encouraging. And so when it got to January 11th, I was still nervous, but I I felt like I knew because of God's grace that this was for my good, no matter what happened. If I died, it would be for my good because I'd be in heaven and completely healed. If something happened during surgery and I was injured, God, that would be my good. And if I was, you know, had a full recovery, which I did, God is good. And so to look at all those things as, as his plan was really hard to do. And it still is when hard things come. I, I still doubt, um, still struggle with it, but that was a huge lesson for me. That's amazing. So much truth right there. I love that. So were you, when they said you need to have heart surgery, what was going through your head at that moment? Oh, I was, at first I was like, no, this is not really happening because I feel kind of fine. And then it was kind of like that moment of this is real and I don't want to do this, but I don't have a choice. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I just kind of, kind of put one with medical stuff. I don't know if you've experienced this, but you kind of just have to put one foot in front of the other because there's steps you have to take. You have to call doctors, you have to figure out insurance. So you just, there's almost practical things you have to do. And then in each of those steps, it's a working out of your faith, you know, confessing your sin of where you're not trusting God, where you're trying to take control, um, and, and learning the character of God and and seeing him at work in your life. That's really that step by step. It wasn't, it didn't happen all at once. And it certainly is a blessing in retrospect. Like I would never have chosen that. And, and even now, I mean, I had another surgery that that's just temporary. You know, I got a, what they ended up doing is put a replacement valve in and that valve will wear out eventually. They, okay. 10, 10 years ish. And I'm on year six. And so you look at, I, my life is now a series of, of surgery. Gotcha. And so you just, I wouldn't choose that, (laughs) but, but I would choose comfort and comfort doesn't lead to, sanctification comfort wouldn't lead me to becoming more like Christ and leaving behind sin because sin destroys and I, and I would choose sin. I know I would. And I'm not saying if you haven't had hardships like open heart surgery that you're choosing sin, but this idea that I, I, 
suffering can be a blessing to us. Right, right. I love that perspective that you have of it. Because, you know, when when we all go through suffering, we're like, why me? Why me? Why me? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, for God to do that work in your heart about Mm -hmm. that. And then now you get to share with others about it. I think that's Mm -hmm. that's huge. That's huge. Mm -hmm. Um, So at that point, obviously they were like, you have to have the surgery. There's no questions. And Mm -hmm. then how many years later did your little girl come along? Yeah, so right away. I've had my surgery in 2012, and then we had her in 2013. So it's just, I think, six months after surgery, we ended up getting pregnant. And it was so such a blessing and a gift. And, I mean, we knew we wanted children, but we didn't expect her to come along so soon. And so it was just awesome. So good. So mm-hmm. how, what, what is her birthday? Cause my son was born in 2013, January. No way. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. January. She's April baby, April okay. 21st. So okay. I keep telling her next year, her birthday's on Easter and she's just like, mom, how are we going to do Jesus's resurrection and my birthday? She like, can't put it together right now. She, I mean, she'll be, she'll be five this year, but I'm like, yeah. Oh girl, it's going to uh, be so good. She's like already planning it. Oh my goodness. That's so sweet. Okay. So mm-hmm. you had her in six mm-hmm. months later or got pregnant with her six months mm-hmm. later. And then, um, when did your son come along? He was in 2015. So okay. November 2015. So about two and a half years later. Okay, mm-hmm. and so after that, how much later after your, you got pregnant with your son or had your son, did your miscarriage come? Yeah, so we we had two miscarriages last year, so 2017. Um, we, were really, we were ready to start, our, you know, add to our family, and we got pregnant, and we were really excited. And I never for a moment thought, had any fears that there would uh, miscarry mm. my child or anything. And we had already miscarried before our son. And it was at the very beginning, I was really sad, but then we got pregnant right away. So I didn't, it was almost like, like a dream, like it didn't happen, like like you mourn, but all of a sudden you're really happy again. So Mm. it just seemed to happen really fast. And then, so with this one, I was really excited. We saw the heartbeat at, I think eight weeks I went in and just, yeah, really excited. And then at 12 weeks we went in and, um, she had passed away and she was only measuring eight weeks. And so they think probably right after I had that first ultrasound, she probably passed away. And they call it a missed miscarriage where your body doesn't recognize it's miscarried yet. And so that was just, I, and I was by myself in this room and it was just kind of like, I don't, I don't know what to do. I'm so sad, but you're, you're almost like numb. Mm. And I had to leave in with a number of, uh, an abortion clinic to take care of my pregnancy. Wow. And I, I just, I thought it was like insult after insult after insult it felt like, mm. how, how could this be my only option? I'm grieving. And there's just a lot of heartache around that. But God was so gracious because I mean, obviously we learn all of this, all these hardships and trials, um, teach us about the Lord. And I learned so much about grief, but I think what I learned really learned well, I learned a couple things, but one is when you're sad, it feels like there's no way out of sadness, you know, like the, that, that's, that's the end of the road right. and every day it was so sad, but then God is so gracious because I kept, he, he, 
we lean on him. He says, cast all your anxieties and I will care, cast all your anxieties on him because he will care for you. And so you keep leaning into that, that command and, and doing it and in faith and, and the Lord continued to give me a little bit more peace every day. And somebody had told me a story that driving through this tunnel and he was, he was a little boy with his dad and it was so dark and it was so long. And finally he's getting scared. Like, this is too much darkness. This darkness is going to last forever. And his dad told him, look on the horizon until you see that pinprick of light and watch that pinprick just grow. Mm-hmm. And, as, and and he did, and he, and he saw this tiny bit of light, and it just grew and grew and grew until all of a sudden he was just, you know, they were out of the tunnel. And it really was that moment of cling to the pinprick of light, like cling, cling to God who says he's sovereign and says he's good, and just keep clinging to that, trust it. And, and walk in obedience. What am I supposed to do today? I'm, I'm supposed to get up, love my husband, take care of my children, be a living sacrifice, and wait, you know, look for that light. And, and God was so gracious to comfort me in that loss. And I think through that, you know, you don't, you don't know what God's going to teach you. But looking back, we ended up having another miscarriage. We, we weren't supposed to get pregnant. I didn't know. We got a phone call like on a Friday. We'd already been trying again. He goes, don't get pregnant because your other pregnancy could cause cancer. There was something Uh, mm -hmm. abnormal with it. And I I just was like, well, well, we might be pregnant. He's like, no way, not possible. We totally were. And miscarried that baby too. Just the Lord took that baby too. And um, looking back, you struggle with were those pregnancies legitimate? Were Were they real? And the world tells us, you know, like abortion is so common. And so when you feel like, well, I lost my child, the world doesn't really, where who acknowledges that pain really? Because where does life start? Where does it matter? And so you really go to the word. And I was so, God was so encouraging to me because through scripture, just again in the, the Christmas season, you see that Jesus came at conception and that Jesus didn't start in the womb at nine months, Jesus right. didn't start out as a two-month-old baby. He didn't start out as a man. God put him in Mary's womb at conception. And so it's just as a woman who's ever lost or ever grieved a life in her womb that, that has is gone, it, it validates that love and that affection and the truth that there was a child and that there was a life, whether it was at five weeks, 12 weeks, 39 weeks. And so that was good because you just question. Like, am I allowed to grieve? You, you beat yourself up. What What am I allowed to feel? And so that was God's grace, learning that. And then the second thing is when Mary visits Elizabeth, John the Baptist jumps, leaps for joy in her womb. And I thought right there, there's a baby who's feeling, who has emotion, who can think and experience. be joyful. Yeah, have an experience. Mm-hmm. And right there, Ren, it was so sweet because... You see this baby have purpose in the womb. Mm. And I've had, I've had several friends miscarry later in pregnancy or have a baby who has a genetic disorder. Like I just had a friend whose baby passed in anencephaly, knowing it was a terminal illness, but wanting to, to keep the baby until the Lord took the baby. And I just, I thought that is the safest place right there for that one in the womb, that it has the most joy and the, the, the most pleasure right now, and there's purpose in that. And so for that life. And so the Lord just was really kind. So that's sweet. And giving me mm. kind of the realization of 
when life starts, why it's purposeful for that baby, for that soul, and for us. And it was just salve on my my soul at Christmas. And so those are two things that I learned just even about miscarriage. Yeah. So what do you, so you um, miscarried right around Christmas time, the second time? Or was I'm, it the first time? No. Yeah, I miscarried, in, I think, in June and then in September. Gotcha. And so we were supposed to, our, our daughter, Noelle, was supposed to be born in, on, on Christmas Day was her due date. So it was just such a sweet time to be reminded of those truths and mm. to be encouraged yes. in that way. Yes. So what would you say to the woman that's going through that, that is, is either in the midst of miscarriage or has experienced it and maybe just can't seem to move on from it? Mm-hmm. It's hard. It, I think that it's okay to grieve and it's okay to be sad. Um, and my Sunday school teacher, she used to tell me in high school, like it's, we can be raw, but then we need to be real. You have a lot of emotions and you see that rawness, but then go to the reality of the truth of who God is. And so continue to go to the scriptures to know the character and the trustworthiness of God, because otherwise we're making it up. You know? mm, <laughs> and right. And I always say that's like a cardboard bridge over the Grand Canyon. You can't get very far mm. standing on something that's not Not going to hold you up. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. And so continue to entrust yourself to the Lord, mm. to know that he, Jesus, was a man of sorrows, yet he was without sin. So he understands all of our, our pain and all of our struggle and all of our hardship, yet he went to the cross for us so that his blood would cover us. We would be free from forgiven from our sin and have eternity with him. That there's hope in that moment for eternal things where there will be no more crying and no more tears. And just every day, go to the word, cling to one truth about God. Who is he in scripture? What does it say about him? And and rely on that. And I, I God is faithful. I can't, you know, where it's everybody's experience with him. But he shows himself to be true because he's God. Absolutely. Love that. Okay, so for through these things, through the miscarriages and through your heart surgeries, how did that um, either grow your marriage or just um, maybe influence your marriage? Yeah, that's a good question. I'd say that definitely we had to learn to communicate and my husband, and I think a lot of men are like this, they want to be problem solvers. We both learned to walk, and it's taken communication. It's not like we've just discovered it right. mentally in our heads and, you know, telepathically. We're like, oh, that's what she needs. That's what he needs. But we talked it out. We've realized that I need to, to be able to emote to him and be able to have these emotions and that he can affirm them and encourage me and not feel feel the the necessity to make it go away Mm, that he can be encouraging me with truth. Mm. And, um, he actually, this is so silly and I don't know if I'd ever recommend it. (laughs) We read, we read the hunger games. Do you remember? Yes. Yes. Like so popular when I had heart surgery and in it, one of the characters obviously has a lot of PTSD, right? (laughs) Yes. The main character, she does a hard, Hard, lot hard stuff. Yeah. And at the end, or I don't even remember which book it was in, but her friend 
would tell her what's true. She would wake up and not be able to discern like where she was at, what was true. And he would start to tell her what is true things. And when that was, we were reading that during my recovery was heart surgery. It was just a simple, you know, I was laying there and my husband would read to me and he took that, like, we need, I, I need to wash my wife in the word that's biblical and we need to continue to preach truth to each other. And so sometimes I'll just be laying in bed if I'm sad or discouraged or anxious, he starts preaching truth to me. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it really stinks and it's truth that you don't want to hear. Like, right. <laughs> like, yes. You know? yes. Like, I'm afraid of, you know, that I might die in my sleep tonight because whatever, my heart stops. Right. And sometimes it's like, well, that might happen. <laughs> like, no, 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 no. It's supposed to say that will never happen. But then he goes through, like, the, the best part is he goes through the scriptures and says, well, what does it say that happens to us when we die? What does it say about uh, our, our forgiveness of sins? And all of a sudden you start looking at all these things that God has done for us through salvation in Christ. Like, what we were prisoners of before, what... Um, just the depravity of our hearts and how we're forgiven of that and Christ's righteousness is on us. And it starts to fade away when you see the gospel applied to your life in these, all these situations. And so I think through, you know, heart surgery and the miscarriages, we've just, he's definitely learned to speak truth to me and I've had to learn to be humble. (laughs) (laughs) And accepting it. Exactly. And that's really, I think, the the trick is that, you know, if you have a problem, take it up with the Lord. And he's really gracious, too. He's not like, can you just be quiet already? This is what God's word says. You know, like he's patient. And he's not perfect. We've had our moments, but he's patient and... I just think that. I just think that's so sweet that y'all are sitting here and he was reading to you the Hunger Games. <laughs> how sweet is that? I mean, how sweet. He needed something. It's funny to look back and realize what you know what encouraged you. Yes. You know, like like the what was that movie with the minions in it? Despicable Me. Yes. We watch it. We watch that, and now yes. it's like when you know you have those moments where there's a book or a smell or a oh yeah food that triggers, yes. and it's it's like so happy because you see, you remember what the Lord did for you. So we love that movie. (laughs) Me too. My my son loves it. I love it. I'm like, I almost watched it on TV last night, like by myself. Like, should I do this or should I do my love come softly or whatever loves enduring promise on Netflix? I'm like, maybe it's tickable me. Maybe the Super Bowl. I don't know. Whatever. That's so hilarious. Okay. So at the end of each episode, I get to ask my guests, Four questions. What are okay. you eating? What are you reading? What are you praying for? And what are you loving these days? Mm-hmm. That's so good. So what are you, let's start with, what are you praying for? Oh, that's good. So what am I praying for? Well, I'm praying that the Lord would rescue my children mm. from sin and death. I, it's something that I pray for. I try to pray for every day um, and that they would know the righteousness of Christ and God would soften their hearts Yes, because that, I mean, what mother, That's it. I mean, yeah. like we want that, that yes, like number absolutely. one hope. Yes. But, um, and then also for the gospel to spread here in Denver, it's a really hard, mm. I, you know, every place has its hard places, but right. you know, Denver feels especially, especially hostile hard. Yeah. Um, to the gospel and to truth. And um, we've seen, my husband's an associate pastor at a church and we've just seen a lot of hard stuff happen, even in in the Christian community where we're at. And so we're just, I'm just hungry and, and just pray that God would, we would be humble and, and love him yeah. above ourselves. So 
praying for the gospel to spread in Denver. And then I'm praying for a minivan. Oh, yes. They're the best. I just really, I think, I mean, there's only four of us, so we definitely fit in all our car, our yeah. cars right now. But yeah. I'm like, I like literally have dreams about what I could fit in a minivan. It would probably, we would probably live out of it because the other day I cleaned out my car. I have like this little CRV and I think I pulled out every winter coat item, sock. I'm like, yeah. Oh, that's why we have no clothes in our drawers. Because yeah. <laughs> we're all, all here. here. Or the cups. We always find the cups. Right? Uh, right. I know. And then at the very bottom of it all is goldfish. Like yes. smashed into the carpet. <laughs> yes. See, I have a CRV so, and my husband okay. wants a minivan. I'm like, we have one child. Like, we don't, <laughs> we don't need it. He's like, I just want to press the button so the doors open right. automatically. I know. Right? And they don't swing out. Cause I, I don't, oh, my I daughter know. could open the door by herself and get in her car seat easy by herself. But if yes. we're in a parking lot, I have to do it. Cause she's going to nail somebody. Yeah. <laughs> she's going to take some paint off. That's right. Exactly. It's not going to be a nice soft open. We're just going <laughs> to go. Okay. So you're praying for a minivan. Oh, I'm trying to trust the Lord. It's funny. That's awesome. But. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Those are great things. Okay, so what are you reading these days? My The book I'm reading right now is actually gifted to me by Canon Press. It's a publisher. I highly recommend um, Canon Press Publishing. Okay. They, they um, Rebecca Merkel wrote a book called Eve in Exile, and it's about restoring uh, basically biblical femininity in a world that's hostile oh, to it. And it nice. is so good because it combines two of my favorite things, mm-hmm. history mm-hmm. and the Bible. Yes. I yes. love history. It's yes. where it's, it's all what God is doing, you know? Right. And so it's just so good because it takes the, the history of feminism mm-hmm. where it started and where it's progressed and then applies the Bible to it. And it's so, it's beautiful mm-hmm. when you see the scripture, it's just so freeing and, and so lovely and pure and delightful. And so I'm, I'm eating it up. I'm like, Ooh, a date. <laughs> like, that sounds great. You know, so it I'm a big fan. Well, mm-hmm. and I love how you intertwine your knowledge of history and the Bible on your podcast. When you do like around, if it's a certain holiday or something oh, like, yeah, yeah. for mm-hmm. Reformation Day, I love that. I mm-hmm. learned so much and I just, I appreciate that about you because I love history. I don't know a lot of history, but I love it. And I love how you intertwine it with our beliefs as Christians. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's so good. I I know no history too. It's always my husband. I'm like, can you teach me about World War II? Yes, like, <laughs> yes. He's like, did you not pay attention? I'm like, no. I need I you know. to teach me. Right. Right. I'm totally. like, I have other things that I apparently was paying attention to. But <laughs> exactly. Anyway. Okay. Good. So that's what you're reading. That sounds mm-hmm. really good. Um, what are you eating? I'm a big snacker. I love to eat. All right. I'm all about it's, the eating. Me too. Well, we were watching the Super Bowl yesterday, and we somebody rang the door and it was little girl scouts selling cookies oh yeah and i'm like perfect timing (laughs) bring it in i will always i will always eat cookies of any kind um but i love have you do you guys have costco i'm assuming that's everywhere right we love costco right they anticipate your needs that's what i don't like about them yes they know you walk in you're like I didn't know I needed wool socks, but I'm going to buy 10 pair, you know? Yeah. I'm going to buy 10 pair. I'm going to buy the dog food that's grain-free. <laughs> Bought that last week. I mean. I know. Yeah, yeah. And so they have, and I know they rotate through their products, but those, they're like these thin pretzels covered in chocolate. Oh, yeah. Brownie. Wait, is it called, is it called brownie? 
brownie mm-hmm. batter? No, it's not that. Okay. No, it's literally, it's just a chocolate covered pretzel, but the pretzels mm. are flat and thin, and so they're really crispy. Oh my goodness. I'm not kidding you. I bought a bag of those last year sometime, and I think I finished them off in three days. A Costco size bag. Oh, yeah. I don't buy them often. I It's one of those things where you tell your husband, you're like, I would like this, but don't get it for me. But right. I like it. Right. But if you get it, I'll eat it all, so I want it, but not. You right. know, and he's like, what? Which one do I do? Which one? I'm so confused. I can't read your mind again. Wait, you want me to get it, or you don't want me? I'm like, yes. Yes. Whoa. Yes. Okay, that sounds good. I'm going to look for those pretzels. They sound delicious. Oh, so good. We love Costco. Costco's the best. I know. Okay, so what are you loving these days? That's a good question. I love, well, here's what I want to love. I want to love baking with my kids. <laughs> oh, yes. It's so hard, though. Doesn't it sound, like, so precious? And you honestly see people doing it on social media. Like, Instagram is full of friends baking with kids. I'm like, all it is is tears and yelling when and, like, and, burning hands. And, yeah, and flour things. everywhere. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm. So I'm hoping that we eventually get to that stage because it, it's good. And I, I learn a lot about my sin when yes. I cook oh, with my kids. Goodness, you're right about that. <laughs> I wrote that in my journal this past week. Right. You like, it's like a sponge. You don't know the dirty water until it's squeezed. And I'm like mm. the best squeezing happens in the kitchen with my kids. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yes. Oh, you know what I did on Christmas uh, for Christmas? Cause I was like, I really want to do this with him. I was like, I really think he'd enjoy it. He loves being in the kitchen. Um, I did the pretzel thing where you get a pretzel, you put a Rolo, and you push an M&M, oh, yeah. and that's it. Yeah, and that's all we did. Yeah. I was like, did it work? Yes. He pushed it, he pushed it, and then after about five, he left and went in the other room. I was like, all right, <laughs> we did it. We did it. We oh, made man. Their attention span is so short, and that's what makes activities hard. That's why I really respect you. You taught kindergarten, you said? Yes, yes. That is amazing, because well, that's where we're headed. It, it's, it, I mean, you look back, and I'm like... I, it was good, good. I loved it. But that was mm-hmm. before I had a child of my own. And so now when you have a child <laughs> of your own, you're like, I can't imagine doing this with 15 kids or 20 kids. I'm like, are you kidding me? So it's so funny how you're, when you have your own child, and I'm so much more empathetic for those teachers. I yes. mean, I'm oh, so no. glad that I taught before I had children of my own. <laughs> it has totally transformed my little mind. So, oh, good. I anyway. know. Thank you so much for coming on the yeah. podcast. This was so yeah. fun. It like flew by. Well, I love your podcast so much. So oh, you're doing a you. great work for women and yeah. um, and I love it. So thank you for that, mm-hmm. for sure. Thank you for letting me share it. Well, it was great and I can't wait for people to hear your story. Yeah, thank, thank you. you so much. <laughs> All right. All right. See you later. <laughs> Bye-bye. All right. Bye, Ren. Bye. Boy, I love that. I love chatting with Lauren. I love how she sees the gospel in every single thing. I love her. So refreshing. And y'all go check her out. She is She Proves Faithful on iTunes and also on Instagram. So go follow her and start listening to her podcast. And if you could, if you are enjoying this podcast from Friends of a Feather, I would love if you would leave a review for me at iTunes under Friends of a Feather. Thank you so much for listening. Remember, we're all Friends of a Feather. Let's stick together. Be encouraged. Share with a friend. And we'll see you next week. Bye, guys.